you have just entered the portal of discovery, complete with a British chick intro. Now, strap yourself in. We are in control. We can adjust the treble. The bass. And add echo. Welcome to Speaking Out, America. We are in control. Well, somebody has to be. You know, somebody pointed out to me that... It's, it's, it's in humanity's best interest. Here, let me fix something here while I'm yapping. And I apologize for this because I shouldn't do this. I think I have the threshold on too low. And we, we need to lower our thresholds, right? Uh, now, somebody was telling me that it's in humanity's best interest to make sure that the Democrats don't continue to run things. I'll give you a good example. There are over 1,600 climate, professional climate scientists who have signed a letter saying that there is no such thing as a climate hoax or a climate crisis. And they said that it's a hoax, meaning that we are on war. We have, uh, we have cr- created, what do they used to say? A war on drugs, a war on this, a war on poverty. Well, now we have a war on carbon and carbon is one of the basic fundamentals of life. So basically those people that are running around the country or running around the world, the Greta Thunbergs of the world, the John Kerry's of the world, they're lying to you. And I have a stack of scientists who, who say so. 1850 was when the last Little Ice Age ended. So normally, naturally, what follows a cold period is a warm period. And we're in the middle of a warm period, and it has nothing whatsoever with the theoretical models that they've created in, in these computers that say there's a correlation between rising carbon levels and warming of the Earth. And I'll read a little bit of that later. I know it's starting off a new week, but it's because somebody has to get it out there. Somebody has to be in control of the situation. So we'll get to that in a little bit. Also, I do want to say some final words as we conclude our morning of Diane Feinstein. Being a longtime resident, I spent half my life living in California. And half of that time, I was uh, an unconscious conservative, meaning that I, would, I, did not, I did not get to my conservative ideas until much later in life when I was able to live outside of the state of California, and I realized how differently things were elsewhere. For example, taxes are exorbitantly high in California, and it's because they have to pay for so many social programs, and there's so many levels of bureaucracy with endless committees after endless committees wanting to take a look at things uh, and, and micromanage every aspect of our life, is that that's why that there is there are... More taxes paid out. Somebody has to pay for it. And usually it's the middle class because the upper class, they've figured out all the tax schemes and they've got the accountants and they've got the people who are paid to reduce their tax liability and they're damn good at it. And on the poor end, people that are under the poverty level that have two jobs that maybe might eke out 30000 and that's before taxes, so they're really making about 24000 There are a lot of people in the state of California that live on less than $2,000 a month. And it's all relative, really, because you might say, oh, well, that's a lot. Okay, so let's take, it for example, uh, the recent enactment Governor Newsom signed, uh, making it so that any fast food restaurant that has more than 20, I forget if it's more than 20 or a certain amount of employees, there's a threshold of employees that if they hire, they have to pay them all $20 an hour. Now, uh, you know, you could take either side of that argument. You could say, okay, well, $20 an hour is a livable wage, right? Okay. 
And of course, the government gets their cut because it is a higher amount and they tax on percentages, right? So if they force employers to pay more, then naturally the government will get their cut in the form of uh, what are the payroll taxes. So they'll get a little bit there. The gas prices are up. And by the way, if you're a $20 an hour employee anywhere, let's say that you've been at a company for, say, 10 years and you started out making $15 an hour. Maybe it's something that requires a certain amount of skill. Maybe it's a shop owner. Maybe it's uh, somebody that is doing something other than, say, menial labor. Well, guess what? Now somebody's flipping burgers at In-N-Out. It's going to get paid as much as you. So all those years that you put in to get from 15 to 20, now they're making the same as you. So what's your incentive to want to continue to work for $20 an hour? When, when the person who's got menial labor, maybe not even a high school diploma, or maybe can't work above a, you know, a lot of kids that get out of school can't really read, they can't write, you know, their proficiency level is pretty low. And now they're making the same amount as you. What does that do to the rest of What does that do to your morale? Nobody thinks about that. But at the end of the day, uh, you're getting taxed higher. So you have to have two jobs. And so it's really the lower middle class and the middle class that are suffering the most under the burdensome tax rates in California. Gas is 7 bucks. People are telling Newsom, when are you going to suspend the gas tax? Please save us. You know, in, in my home state where I reside now, it's half that. Three three eighty. It's a little bit more than half the amount that they're paying in California, and that's ridiculous. So this is something that I learned when I left the state of California, uh, and for all those years that I lived in California, I knew that Diane Feinstein was my senator, and she was a good senator. I mean, for the most part, as long as I was a naive Democrat who underneath was really a conservative, I thought she was okay. And in comparison to the progressives that are in the Democratic Party today, I would consider her a, maybe even a Kennedy Democrat. And I used to see myself as a Kennedy Democrat, somebody who believed that don't ask what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Now it's exactly the opposite. It's what, what can my country do for me that I don't have to do anything? I was talking to someone yesterday about a very serious subject to the way kids are raised today and particularly kids of color people inner city youth they're all being taught in schools it's it's an overwhelmingly powerful message and you see it you see the same kind of messaging in movies and in music award shows Uh, they all talk about being empowered now substitute the word empowered with entitled And then now you understand why there's so many more people taking uh, from the system than giving to it. And that number is getting larger every day because poverty is increasing every day. And where you have poverty, you have people who need assistance. So that's why taxes go up. In a place like California, where we're awash with homeless people who need services, we're awash with people who have mental illness, so they need services, We have, I don't know what the statistics are, but I'm willing to bet you that in the state of California, the, uh, the amount of people who receive assistance for mental illness or what they call SSI, uh, is higher than proportionally than any other state. You know, you can, you're not going to make a lot of money living off California's support system, 
but you'll make enough. And if you're lucky enough to get Section 8 housing, you might get an apartment for, you know, a few years, decades. You could live in that Section 8. I know someone who rents to a Section 8 housing person who raised her family 25 years. So, uh, and that's assistance. Somebody pays for that. I'm not dogging people who are on SSI. I'm merely illustrating the fact that California pays for more services for people. People are drawn to California for that reason, and that's why we have high taxes. Now, how much does Diane Feinstein have to do with that? Well, she was a mayor of California, and then she went on to become a senator, and she's been serving as a senator since 1992. That's 30 years. Now, we talk about term limits all the time. And by the way, I don't know how she did it, but she showed up for one more vote. And, and I don't even want to go there with the COVID thing because that is one of the biggest cover-ups. You realize that Dianne Feinstein health took a turn for the worst right after she took a COVID vaccine shot. You, you are aware of that, right? She got what a lot of people got, Justin Bieber, others. She got shingles. Shingles is one of the worst things you can get. And it was after she had gotten her vaccines and her boosters, and she probably, like many millions of other Americans, went and got shingles right after getting the COVID shots. Now, to my knowledge, there's not been any studies that show what happens when you intermingle mRNA, COVID-19 spike protein vaccines, with the standard, you know, uh, usual shingle shot. Well, I'll tell you what happened in my house. Within 24 hours of getting a shingle shot and a COVID booster, my wife broke out with probably one of the worst uh, shingles outbreaks that I've ever seen. It was like acid, someone poured acid on her shoulders. And she uh, remains in periodic pain. Now, it's managed by drugs. So thank you uh, to those who made the drugs for keeping my wife sane. But what I'm telling you is that there's connections that are not ever made because nobody wants to make them. And DiFi's uh, continued decline. Now, she's 90 years old, you know, so there's that. But I just, when I look back on her career, the fact that she had a Chinese spy working for her for many, many years, I think it was the limousine driver, and I ask myself, these people, they, they vote by party line, and she represents a state that is highly overtaxed, high crime rate. Uh, it's in many cities, very polluted. There's a lot of poverty here. And I asked myself, how is it that she was able to keep her job for 30 years? What did she do for the people of California? What did she do for me? What did she do for anybody other than take a seat of power and vote along party lines? And that's what's wrong with our political system. We have too many people there that are just taking their seats of power and they do everything, but nothing improves back home. Nothing improves back home. So I hope that wherever Diane Feinstein is going, and I hope she's going to heaven, I hope that the next time she takes a seat of power, that she takes it seriously and does something other than kiss the ass of her fellow Democrat senators, because that's all they do. It's a giant, it's a giant circle jerk. That's all it is. They don't serve the people. They, they serve themselves. Just wanted to get that off my chest. Speaking Out America continues. Jim Watkins, stay right there.
Welcome back. Speaking out, America. Hey, don't forget, you can say to your Alexa device, if you have an Echo speaker, you can say, hey, Alexa, turn on CRN Talk. And it will go to the CRN Talk homepage, and you will hear all of our wonderful programming. Isn't that, isn't that excellent? You can also say to your Alexa Echo or your speaker or your phone, if it's an Android, and you've got the app, hey, Alexa, Listen to Jim Watkins' Speaking Out America podcast. Or you could say Speaking Out America with Jim Watkins' podcast. Any variation, as long as it's Speaking Out America and Jim Watkins. And guess what? You'll be able to hear the latest podcast. So that's just making your life easier so that you don't have to go scrambling around and trying to download all these apps and everything. It's all by your voice. So if you want to hear more of the program... You can tune in 9 to 10 and 5 to 6 p.m. Pacific time right here for Speaking Out America. Enough said on that. Let me get to this topic. It reads, Trust the experts. 1,600 scientists signed declaration denouncing climate change hoax. Now, I know a lot of you watched uh, the the weather this weekend, and you saw all the flooding going on in New York and the tri-state area. And I can also tell you that it is going to be used by all the weather people and all the folks over there at MSNBC and everywhere else to try to convince you to stop using carbon and that they're right to tax you on it, and it's your fault that all those people uh, had to drown in New York City. And what they don't tell you is that if we only had electric vehicles, nobody would have been rescued, and it still would have rained, and it still would have probably flooded. This is not the first time that a small island that sits off the Atlantic has been flooded by heavy rain. It happens quite frequently, actually. It's just the people in New York are sort of spoiled because it doesn't happen that often. But that's the way it goes. And, you know, you can blame it on the climate if you want to because the climate, in fact, did cause it. But when you blame human beings because we're the ones causing the climate to have excessive weather, then you're listening to people who don't know what they're talking about because I have 1,600 scientists who tell you that that's not the case. Uh, From the College Fix, says a total of 1,600 and nine scientists, professors, and other scholars have agreed onto a new declaration that argues there is no climate change crisis. Quote, there is no climate emergency, is the title of the declaration that consists of 53 pages worth of signatures from across the globe, including some Nobel laureates and other researchers from prestigious universities, including many of our own who are afraid to be ostracized if they're publicly exposed. Other signers include engineers, attorneys, and other professionals. The declaration published with its endorsers in mid-August, we spoke about it first uh, two months ago, lists six main arguments against the alleged climate crisis, including, pay attention to this, because the whole argument for anthropogenic climate change is based on man-made carbon dioxide. Now, this declaration with those uh, 1,609 scientists have said emphatically that carbon dioxide is not a pollutant and is actually plant food and, quote, the basis of all life on Earth. This is the single most important aspect of the climate change hoax to grasp. It is a war on carbon. On its face and at its core, it is a war on life itself on Earth. 
which is comprised primarily of carbon. 18.5% of the human body mass is carbon, which has been often described as the backbone element due to its inclusion in many organic molecules. From the declaration titled, There is no climate emergency, again, signed by 1,600 credentialed scientists, many of whom coincidentally find, find their grants dried up in the near future. That's what the article says. These, these people, their, their careers could be over by signing this declaration. The world has warmed significantly less than predicted by the International Policy of Climate Change, IPCC or IPOCC, on the basis of modeled anthropogenic forcing. The gap between the real world and the modeled world tells us that we are, not, we are far from understanding climate change. There is no statistical evidence that global warming is intensifying hurricanes, floods, droughts, and such like natural disasters or making them more frequent. However, there is ample evidence that CO2 mitigation measures are as damaging as they are costly. It goes on to say, to believe the outcomes of a climate model is to believe what the model makers have put in. This is precisely the problem of today's climate discussion, to which climate models are central. Climate science has degenerated into a discussion based on beliefs, not on sound, self-critical science. Should not we free ourselves from the naive belief in immature climate models? I'm asking you. It's in the article. Recall this COVID death model predicting deaths in the millions propagated by the public health authorities to justify unjustifiable lockdowns. So, you know, in the article they have Al Gore back in 2009 saying that polar bears would be dead in five years. They'd have to swim 100 miles just to get to the next iceberg. Uh, and numerous articles that have been published in numerous critical, uh, credible uh, magazines such as Nature. And at the end of the day, what they're, what they're, the people who are pushing it are, are making a lot of money in carbon credits. Al Gore is one of them. And it's not doing anything. It's not affecting the climate whatsoever. You want to clean up pollution? You want to clean up the lakes and the streams? By all means, go for it. I, I'm there with you. I'll pick up a shovel. Tell me where to go. You want to organize a $25 million federal agency called the Climate Corps and have people go around and clean up maybe stuff on side of the freeways, uh, maybe clean up some of the uh, the uh, tent cities in San Francisco or elsewhere where they have needles on the ground and packages of used aluminum to hold their heroin. Go for it. Let's clean up our cities. Let's clean up our waters. We have some of the cleanest water standards in the world in this country. Except if you go into inner cities. Have you noticed that? The more inner city it is, the worse the water. Why is that? Why do poor people always get the, the, the bottom end of the stick? The point here is that there's clearly enough evidence and there's enough consensus. This reminds me of when uh, every other country was using ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine as standard therapies to treat COVID. But there was a news block out and we never heard about any of it in our press because it was a vaccine-only strategy, which in itself is causing adverse effects that the media, again, doesn't report. So this is the world we live in, and I wanted to share this with you. I'll put it up on my website with all the other articles I have, 
and I'll include it in the next podcast. But it's verifiable. And just remember that when you start hearing people argue about climate change and what's going on, you're being lied to. And if you don't grapple with that soon, then you're going you're gonna to be the one paying for it. We'll be right back. here and you know what all this talk about the government shutdown and they never seem to mention why that the chief reason why the uh, there's an issue and the chief reason is because of the funding for Ukraine that's what a lot of this is about we heard this earlier with Rand Paul and let me see if I could find that but you know essentially it comes down to where this money's going and it never gets brought up during any of the newscasts I see they talk about who's going to get you know, not get paid, who's going to be furloughed, you know, what federal agencies, the the parks are closed, all of the stuff that they say, but they never say why. They never they never get down to the, uh, the issue, which is at hand, which is that the Republicans, and they call them hard right. I never hear them use the word hard left. But uh, what was it? Uh, Rand Paul, here it is. He, he's talking about this. He addresses it. This is what the issue is. But the newspapers and the online magazines and all the left journals and MSNBC and all the, they never mention, they always mention who's going to be affected here, but they don't ever tell you that the reason is because we don't have any money. We can't just keep borrowing. It's going to kill this economy. It's going to force us into a digital currency. If the economy collapses in, in the United States and there are, a growing number of financial experts, much smarter than me, that's saying that we're in the red zone here. There's never been a time in our history where the debt has been so high so fast. And it, we, we have lost control or we've lost the ability to understand just how much, how much is going out the door every second. Listen to Rand Paul. I will not consent to any expedited passage of any spending bill that provides any more American aid to Ukraine. It's as if no one has noticed that we have no extra money to send to Ukraine. Our deficit this year will exceed $1.5 trillion. Every day this war continues is another spin of the roulette wheel with another chance of it stopping on Armageddon. And we are paying for the privilege. No matter how sympathetic we are to the Ukrainian people, we must put the American people first. And to that end, I encourage my colleagues to oppose any effort to hold the federal government hostage for Ukraine funding. Now, I have to ask you a question. If, you, if you're crying about the fact that the Army, maybe you're married to somebody who's serving uh, you know, in the Army or the Navy, or maybe you're a relative, that for somebody who, were, by the way, the post office will not shut down. 
uh, medical services will not shut down. If you're a veteran, you will be seen by your doctor. FEMA will still be there. Uh, yeah, they'll, they'll close the parks and they'll shut off revenue, which makes no sense. I mean, because a lot of these people would probably get back pay or retroactive back pay. But if all of these people suffer because they can't pass a bill to continue to fund the government at an, an extraordinarily high amount of mon- money cost. I mean, I'm, I'm reading this laundry list of all the agencies that will be affected by the shutdown. I'm thinking, why do we need all these agencies? I mean, they have agencies within agencies that are part of another agency. So, but what it comes down to is the Democrats want to continue to send billions and billions of dollars to fund a war that is robbing our treasury so that we don't have enough money on top of the debt that we continue to build, on top of the the, the revenue that has been squandered. Uh, there's a report out today that people, they can't do it now because they sold out, but people were buying, I'm not joking you, they're buying gold bars at Costco. You can order them online. They're from some African country where they just minted by the ounce at about $1,900 an ounce, and they're sold out. You say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Because even the women and the men who go to Costco to buy 15 pounds of chicken, These are the people who know value and they don't mind spending a little bit more because they know their dollar will go a little farther. That's why people always sign up for Costco. It's a good barometer on what's happening in the country economically. And if these people are saying, you know what, maybe I should invest, put my money in something that will actually be worth something if there is an economic crash. That's how bad it is. Nobody knows just how far the Federal Reserve will continue to raise interest rates. Housing prices are not coming down. Uh, people aren't buying new homes to the degree they were buying pre-2008 because they can't afford it. The banks are loaning up uh, money, interest 7 8 9%. Car loans are through the roof because of the interest rates. I mean, people are paying $1,200 a month for a car at exorbitantly high interest rates. It's because the value of the dollar is slipping fast. Uh, and that's what the problem is. And the people, the Democrats, you know, they think like Andrew, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez that you could just keep spending money. And you can't. Sooner or later, you can't pay off your debt. Uh, and so why would we continue to fund the Ukrainian war to the tune of Billions and billions of dollars. And that's what this is all about. It's about how fast do we want to continue going broke to the point where our a dollar bill is worth nothing. And that's where we're headed if we don't get our fiscal house in order. And the Democrats want to keep spending money. They want to keep all these social programs. I'm sure there are plenty of Uh, pork barrel earmarks from the Republicans as well. Uh, It is, is, you know, the the way that these people spend to buy votes is through the roof. And not to mention the fact that you've got major Democratic cities that are overrun with immigration and law and disorder. And they're, they're, they're running out of money. They're asking the feds to help. So... So that's what's at the core of the issue with this 
a government shutdown. We have to get our fiscal house in order, or we will have no fiscal house. And that's the untold story. All right, so here's another one that's strange. Washington University professor AI girlfriends are ruining a generation of men. Now, this is an interesting story, probably the most interesting story of the week. But the rise of artificial intelligence girlfriends is ruining an entire generation of young men fostered or fostering a silent epidemic of loneliness, according to Washington University professor and data science Liberty Vittert. Uh, he says there are now apps that offer virtual girlfriends for men who want an AI lover to talk to them, allow them to live out their sexual fantasies and learn through data exactly what we like. According to an op-ed piece written by Liberty Vittert and published by The Hill. It says these apps reportedly have millions of users who are able to choose the physical attributes and personalities of their virtual girlfriends. And by the way, I'm sure this is happening for girls and men. It's not exclusively women. Some of the artificial lovers are even based on real people. One online influencer, for example, created an AI bot of herself and gained over a thousand users in less than a week. She believes the AI girlfriend version of herself can generate $5 million a month. And when it comes to engaging with these AI girlfriends, they aren't just chatbot interactions. According to the professor, he explains, the AI learns from your reactions and is capable of giving you exactly what you want, what to see, what to hear every single time. And they have come on just the right time to assuage the silent epidemic of loneliness that is hitting the generation of young men. Boy, this was not the time to be a young man in America. These young men are lonely, uh, and it's having real consequences. They are choosing AI girlfriends over real women, meaning they don't have relationships with real men, they don't marry them, and they don't have and they won't raise babies with them. Professor Vitter warns that America desperately needs people to have more babies. But all the signs are pointing toward fewer relationships, fewer marriages, and fewer babies. There have been 600,000 fewer births in 2023 in the U.S. relative to 15 years ago. With real women, they don't marry them, they don't have kids, and they don't raise babies. He says, if we keep going in this direction, we're not going to have enough young people to pay for all the expenses to take care of the old people, the 50 million people that are now entering retirement. At one point, it'll be like an inverted pyramid where most of the old people will be over the age of 50 and the minority will be people under 30 who, by the way, aren't having any children because they're in love with their AI girlfriend. So that's, that's a weird place to be in, in our country, and I really hope that this is just a trend and not something that... Uh, but. I don't know, man. <laughs> Look how addicted we are to our smartphones. How many of us spend hours upon hours playing Candy, playing candy Crush? All right.
Have a great day. We'll see you in 24 hours. Speaking Out America, I'm Jim Watkins.